Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 159 of the Curtain Call podcast. Well, it has been a minute, hasn't it? (laughs) I hope everyone is staying safe as we begin to slowly unwind ourselves from lockdown and start to explore life amongst real people again. Wow, imagine that. It has certainly been an interesting journey for the last few months, hasn't it? And I hope you've been enjoying our podcast offerings with our fantastic series ghost shows bringing you the heartbreaking stories of the shows that didn't quite make it to stage because of various lockdowns on both sides of the atlantic and in in europe um our take your bow series from the pandemic shedding light on voices that may have not been heard um as well as other regular podcasts uh episodes and you know as, as productions start to get back on their feet we look forward to bringing you more podcast episodes from london and around the uk if not the world we have plans and you know what matt and i have not been sitting idly by either you know we're going to have a special podcast where we just talk to you about the last year in our lives and for those of you who are theater entertainment and live events professionals what you need to do is head on over to curtaincallonline.com check out our new platform i think you'll agree it's the platform you've been needing and waiting for for far too long so sign up build out your profile, get your skills in there, put your availability in there, all the information that you may need for someone to find you and start getting found for work. Do it. Do yourself a favor. And it's not going to cost you a single cent. That's right. But now for this week's guests. The Wardrobe Ensemble are a group of young theater makers who met while studying drama in Bristol in the southwest of the UK. Now they create pieces and new pieces that explore modern themes through intimate storytelling, with the Wardrobe Ensemble's nine core members garnering praise up and down the country all over the place for their innovative productions, from the Edinburgh Festival to the National Theatre in London. Now with their shows cut short because of the COVID pandemic, this group of young enthusiastic creators decided not to only put on a show, but a whole festival of shows, Theatre on the Downs. And they've also announced a £10,000 commission to devise a new piece for the company for a Southwest-based 
artist. I mean, come on, who is giving away 10,000 pounds to create a piece? I mean, that's great. They're 10 years strong and they'll be around for many more years to come, I hope and I'm sure of it. But enough of that intro, let's get right down to business as I chat down the line with Wardrobe Ensemble's members, Helena Middleton and James Newton. Have a listen. Can you give me a little bit of background about yourselves before we launch into what it is you're doing? Yeah, of course. So you're speaking to Helena. And Jim. And we're members of a theatre collective called the Wardrobe Ensemble. And we are both theatre makers in our own right, but we've been working with the Wardrobe Ensemble for 10 years um, when we created that as part of the Made in Bristol programme, which was a... uh, scheme from the Bristol Vic where we trained together and we made a theatre company and we've been making work ever since. The wardrobe ensemble, it's it's not about a wardrobe, is it? Is it <laughs> wh- where does the name come from? So the name uh, comes from uh, the room that we trained in, in that made in Bristol year. Uh, it used to be the Bristol Vic's wardrobe department and then they gutted it and all that was left was this sort of quite nasty sort of broken tiled room uh, that we made all of our earliest stuff in in that first year so the wardrobe ensemble um, was natural and it stuck luckily well listen let's not let the fact escape that broken tiled rooms are often the birthplace of the most incredible art right <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> what was the progenitor what what got you guys wanting to do um, to do the wardrobe ensemble. So it's probably worth saying that we all went to Bristol of a young company. So we were all young people making work and going to their like their weekly sessions. And we were all interested in making theatre. And so when we did our scheme, we were 12 people were on that and we were kind of brought together by an external factor. But in that year, we got excited about making our own work and that is predominantly devised theatre. Um, and so as part of that year, we had to make a show. Uh, but then off our own backs, we decided to take that show to Edinburgh. And that show was called Riot. And it was about a riot in an Ikea store. And it just happened to be the same year as the London riots. Mm. And so it had this like zeitgeist energy where suddenly our Facebook page got taken down because it was inciting violence because it was called Riot in Edinburgh. <laughs> and we've got all the press suddenly coming to our like 50-seater theatre. And it just, I think it had something in that show which captured people's imaginations and just happened to coincide with a bit of history that made sense of it. And so off the back of that show, we really got a lot of momentum um, and someone came to see it who then put it on at the National for a few nights in the shed. And as a young company, that really bolstered us to continue making work together. So it all sort of snowballed, really. We sort of went in without really any expectations or plan to make it last. Um, But it just sort of happened, really. And here we are 10 years later. Weird. Um, I I love kind of the barrier stories and and you know when walls kind of they always do walls appear um hurdles appear obstacles appear that in any artistic endeavor try to stop things in their tracks how was it in those first years trying to create something that that has become in 10 years guys is a wonderful uh, anniversary to get to um you get past those first three years and you've got something but what were those first three years like in regards to kind of building a company, gaining momentum to let people know who you were and what you were about? 
Yeah, uh, certainly had its challenges. I mean, so when we started Made in Bristol, half of us had just left secondary school, A-levels, and were on our gap year. And the other half uh, pretty much had just finished university or had been working and were of finishing university age. So there's sort of an, an age split in the company. So those first three years, actually half of us then went off to go to drama school or uni and have that experience. So the baton was very much picked up by, um, by the, remain, the remaining people, which you know, we're still really grateful for. And it was, you know, I, I can't speak for them, but it was touring with very little money, very little experience, um, making a lot of mistakes and learning loads along the way and just keeping momentum going for us to come back in all of our Easter breaks, summer breaks, and keep on squeezing in to make stuff when we could. And so for those first three years, they really kept the ball rolling until we were able to graduate and then all come back together as the original bunch and start sort of going at it with renewed energy again. It sounds like a bad word, but having a certain amount of naivety going forward, because yeah, if, yeah. if we knew what we were getting into, would we get into it? Yeah, and actually there's such a good point, because I always think back to those beginning years and think we just kept saying yes. It didn't really matter what we got asked, we just kept saying yes. And it's probably worth saying we didn't get official funding from the Arts Council until after we'd all graduated so that's four years of working together before we got official funding so all of that was like profit share scrabbling like around to do fundraisers and it was stuff like we got asked to go to America to tour our show right to America and we were just like do we do it yes and we just <laughs> made it happen and there's something quite I, I think quite fondly of those years actually when we had a bit less and we were a bit more naive because everything was very overwhelming and 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 sort of like less practical in a quite a freeing way. And exciting. And now we're old and haggard and everything is boring. <laughs> <laughs> You've just described me. <laughs> I was um I was wondering how it was um, was it when the, when it, when you first started? Because there's, I guess there's the, I believe that the universe works through the law of attraction. You know, where <laughs> you start doing something and people come to you. Mm. And um, is that was that the case when you were? I know you said you all met um, when you were in Bristol, made in Bristol. But was it a a couple of you, or a few of you, you know, uh, six of you that went, let's do something, and then other people decided to join? Have Are people coming in and out? Or how does this collective maintain its its membership and, and kind of drive? Yeah, it's a, in some ways, we were forced together. <laughs> X-Factor style. <laughs> yeah, it was X-Factor style. We're basically one direction, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but having said that, the, through various reasons that, so there's 12 of us who began the training scheme and nine of us who finished it. And I actually uh, think the slog of that year and some of the learnings we underwent over that year brought us together. And we had a shared language of theatre making because of our teachers. And that meant that, and I'd say that a lot of that is quite physical and about understanding how to become in sync with each other when we're making. Mm. And, but 
alongside that, you also needed the people who had the heads to produce. And so we all had a role that we assigned ourselves on the kind of producing side. So a Great. producer, a treasurer, marketing, etc. And we still have those roles. And I think that is quite an important part of the alchemy, which allowed us to continue because without the people thinking strategically, and for the first few years, we had rotating like company managers that we assigned um, until thankfully we got our amazing producer, Hannah Smith, who came on, um, was it six years ago now? And so she could take up that mantle and allow us to be creative when we're in the spaces making our work. Um, but I do think it's really important to acknowledge that that is, if you're making a company, you need to be able to be creative and have that the head for how you get work into theatres, how you speak to um, touring managers, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone who is putting together a company or anything else defining the roles, trusting that the other person is going to own it yeah. and carry on and do it is is so vital to make a company work because you know we we have to trust that the people when we stumble or fall backwards or whatever they're there to catch us and carry on and and you 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 crack on that's a wonderful thing to listen to Helena it's amazing yeah Let's take us back to March of last year, because I'm sure you guys had plans. I don't want to make this about the the pandemic, but I'm sure that you guys had plans last year. And I apologize for keep saying you guys, because I know there's a. I should keep. I should just say the wardrobe ensemble. Uh, I, the, I'm sure the wardrobe ensemble had plans last year. Tell me how, if you can, how last year affected wardrobe ensemble. What you did to get through it, and. Was that the main reason that this 10th anniversary season, you know, at the pop-up, at, at the mix, which we'll talk about in a minute, is, is, did that come out of last year and, and early this year frustration? You've got such a nice voice, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reflecting back on last year and being like, yeah, it was a horrible year, but I can't feel bad about it when I've got such a lovely voice in my ear. <laughs> uh, thank you, Jim. I will, I will pay you later. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was supposed to say, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, so we were, we were uh, one week into a two-month tour of a show that we made um, for the last Edinburgh Fringe in 2019. It's called The Last of the Pelican Daughters. Um, and it's the most ambitious show that we've made so far in terms of scale, in terms of, in terms of set, creative team, number of people. So it was this big, exciting tour that we got one week into. We did a week in Northampton. It was great. Took the set down to Southampton, set it up, boom. Boris closes the theatres, um, or rather he doesn't close the theatres, but he tells people not to go. Not to go. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, that was, that was a really horrible couple of weeks when we were just sort of scrabbling around, like no idea what sort of support was going to come in. Um, we were very lucky that support did come in various guises. Um, we were able to keep on sort of working in various ways with the company, be that online, uh, Helena with um, the Starseekers, they set up a podcast. We did a project with a theatre in Burnham. So lots of nice little bits and bobs kept us going. But I think, yeah, the genesis of this project really did come about as a result of that. And I think there is 
a certain um, reevaluation that everyone did during the pandemic of what do we want, uh, what makes us excited, what matters the most. And we've been talking about setting up some sort of rehearsal space or venue in the countryside for sort of a while as, as a pipe dream. And then this opportunity arose um, to, to put this venue on. And I think if it hadn't been the pandemic, we wouldn't have grabbed it like we did. Um, but we all just had this sort of renewed um, vigour for wanting to do something that feels a bit dangerous and exciting and out of our comfort zone. Um, so, yeah, and I would say that that is both um, indicative of the fact that we're trying to do a whole festival basically run by two people <laughs> and yes. put on a show that is really very different for us. I, is that fair to say? We've never made anything like this show and it feels like we're in the soup of it at the moment and we, can, we can't tell you if it's good or not yet, <laughs> but I can tell you that it feels really exciting and a bit sort of very much out of our comfort zone, yeah. Yeah, this is our show winners that we're going to be opening at the tent. And I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think there's almost like we had plans. We had so many plans that were laid out before us um, when the pandemic struck and that obviously went away. And I think some in some way we're making a reaction to our previous plans, <laughs> which is running headfirst into the dark and seeing if we can make anything, anything new that, that thrills us. And that is what this show feels like. Sometimes we keep looking at each other going like, we have a formula, we make plays in a way that we understand. And we, this show, we're not doing that. We, we're chucking the formula away. And it, I hope it will make our audiences excited in a way that's making us terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Those are always the most engaging theatrical experiences when you're on the ride, when you feel that you are 100% writing with, alongside the actors on stage. And give me that every time rather than spoon feeding me um, what somebody calls drama, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. make, make me, make me ride alongside you in the, in the sidecar. <laughs> so, so tell me about the, um, about where you be, where you will be performing, you know, winners is going to be on and there's a, a pop-up venue, the mix, I believe. And, in Bristol, um, theatre and on Downs. Um, how did you get the venue, and and why is it the perfect venue for not only your play, but this? There's a festival of plays, as you just said. Um, what made it? Is it was it the outside? I don't want to lead the witness, but what made it the perfect place for your for your play and others as well? Yeah, I guess it's probably worth mentioning that we performed in the mix at um, Wilderness Festival a few years ago um and so we'd had experience of this tent and when we were speaking about creating our own venue a pop-up venue we were like oh we we perform there it's a big space so that means we can still perform socially distanced which still feels important to us mm. um, despite freedom day um freedom day uh, oh my lord <laughs> that was that was ours back in 1776 thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I wish I wish it could have just been yours. We don't want it. <laughs> don't want it. Take it back. Take it back. <laughs> 
Um, so this space is something a place we have been in and it felt like a really cool um, a venue. And so it has that flexibility in that we can kind of um, keep it as quite a big audience, but still so still socially distanced. But also I think the vibe of our show has been very much informed by the tent setting. Mm. And, and equally, the fact that Edinburgh will not be on in its full capacity this year, there's something exciting about being like, okay, well, there's a little mini festival that you guys can come up to on the Downs um, in Bristol. And we're con- we're partnering with Breaking Bread, which is this amazing organization who has these food venues. And so yep. they started that last summer and it's such good food. But also, <laughs> you know, the whole idea behind that was to give people in the food industry work. And now and the dream for this is to give people in our industry work. So it feels like there's a nice like um, symbiotic relationship going on there. Um and so, yeah, the, the the tent just feels like a good open space that can host loads and loads of different shows. Let's not forget that anyone working in the theater, when food is mentioned, <laughs> we come a-running. Yeah. <laughs> we now pause for a short break with a message from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, this is Salisha Thomas from Black Hair in the Big Leagues, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Curtain Call Podcast. Let's explore your show. Could you please let the audience listening today know what Winners is about? And and the second part of that question would be, what else can they see in Wardrobe Ensemble's festival? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kick off talking about Winners. Um, so the idea behind Winners is it's set in a fast food restaurant, which is also a kind of cabaret. And you're taken through human history by this very eccentric, engaging, clown-like-esque character who talks you through um, the Paleolithic times up until now about human innovation, the winners in history. But from the perspective of someone that you might not have heard it from before, um, essentially, particularly in a a theatre audience, was telling the story of capitalism from a capitalist perspective. Um, so trying to do that thing where you can question uh, the world you're living in by seeing it through the eyes of someone who really likes it <laughs> rather than making a piece of theater where we're going, we don't like it, change it. Yeah. Do you see what yeah. I mean? Like we're trying to meet um, audiences in the middle. But I think a big and a big thing with this is like it has politics in it, little P politics and maybe some big P politics too. But we were like, we want people to have fun. We want people to come back to the theater and just have a flipping good night. Mm. Um, and so there's a lot of dancing. There's lots of movement. There's lots of high octane performances. Um, and hopefully we'll make people think a bit too about what the world can be post pandemic. And what about uh, the other things coming up? Oh, we have got a smorgasbord of treats. Nice. Um, le- let me tell you all about it. <laughs> we've got, we've got um, Wild Swimming by Full Rogue. Um, 
they're good friends of ours. The show was an absolute smash hit in Edinburgh 2019, wasn't it? They yeah. they absolutely killed it. Um, it's a brilliant show. Uh, so we're really chuffed to have that. It's a sort of um, it's sort of like a rom com, but skipping through centuries. Um, it's, it's brilliant. We've got Living Spit, who um, we also know very well. They're from a town called Clevedon near Bristol, which is also where I'm from. And they're doing their two-man version of Beauty and the Beast. And they're always right. hilarious. It's a great yes. night out. Um, as well as that, we've got some offers for families. We have Bicycle Boy by Helen Eastman and Alex Silverman, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is great. Um, it's sort of an eco-musical Um We've got The Star Seekers, which is by us. Helena directed, didn't you? Yeah, that's, that's one of our, our go-to kids shows that we took to the National four years ago. Um, yeah. I've seen it lots of times. It's, uh, it's a joy. And we've also got Beach Baby by Wildebeest, who we mentioned the Made in Bristol programme that we're from. That's another company that have come from that same programme. And that's a 30-minute piece for babies and toddlers um and did you see that one no i think this is a new show but they made ice ice, ice, baby. ice babe that's what i'm thinking of <laughs> a few years ago so this is the sort of second um in a trilogy i think and we've also got um uh theater bristol hosting a talk called mistake boutique um which is i think basically a lot of artists just openly discussing the mistakes that they've made that would be um, like a Angels in America length America play if it was. Uh, yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and me both. Um, so um, we, that's that's just the first wave of announcements, and we've got tons more lined up. So yeah, keep an eye on our website and our socials to um, hear more. It's really exciting. That is sounds like the perfect summer for the opportunity to get out of the house. Yeah. To be safe, go and watch a bit of entertainment. Let yourself be free. Talk about Freedom Day. Why not? This is a freedom festival. Feel free for a little bit. <laughs> go down and see some beautiful entertainment. Um, yeah. Laugh, and, smile. Um, uh, and one final thing I forgot to mention, which is very important to mention, is that we also have a £10,000 commission, which yes. is really exciting for us. So, that is for a Southwest-based company or artist to develop a new piece. And then they'll have a slot in the tent to perform that in September, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening and you are interested in that, then please do have a look. All the information is on our website, which is uh, theatreonthedowns.co.uk. Um, and we'd really love to hear from as many people as possible. Is there anything else that you guys would like to say before we wrap up? I've really loved speaking to you from, I'd like something to say, uh, um, if that's okay, if you don't mind. I'd like to say how much I've enjoyed listening to your journey. It is phenomenal when you can listen to a group of young people come together, decide to make some art, stick with it, make a success out of it. And despite something like a pandemic, mm. global pandemic, um, stopping what was, and not just you, but many people who had successful 2019 Edinburgh Fringe Festival shows from showcasing them last year, mm. that you 
picked up where you left off and carried on. I find that completely noble. And I thank you for doing it because we need more people to follow your example and get out and create. Thanks, um, Thanks John. Can you please tell us when it starts and uh, wrap up by saying when it starts, the website they need to go to, where they can get tickets and anything else? Yeah. So we are having an opening weekend on the 7th of August, which is yet to announce um, exactly what we're putting on there, but that's when the tent will open. But Winners begins on Tuesday, 10th of August, and then all our exciting work goes right through to the end of September, with that last week being for the commissioned work. Um, And you can find out all about it on www.theatreonthedowns.co.uk. We can also buy tickets. And it might also be worth mentioning that we're running our own bar, so uh, you should definitely come down because (laughs) we'll always be there for a few tinnies after the show, and we're just going to see people. (laughs) Fantastic. And if any of my um, networking students, the, the, the people that I've been in my networking workshops or anything else, this is the perfect opportunity to go meet some fellow theater makers and ask questions. And please do share far and wide because we have a lot of tickets to sell. (laughs) James Newton and Helena Middleton of the Wardrobe Ensemble there. Now, before we wrap up, just a few housekeeping bits. Quick reminder that you can download and subscribe to our podcast from the Apple Podcast app or from iTunes. That way your feed will be automatically updated when we release podcast episodes. But you can also listen to us on many other streaming services such as Stitcher, Google Play, iHeartRadio, whatever. You name it, it's there. Spotify, forgot that one. Please rate and review our podcast if you have a spare 30 seconds and help us reach more theater lovers, more entertainment lovers, more live event lovers out there around the globe. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Curtain Call. That's at Curtain Call, all one word. And you can follow me at John Schwab, J-O-H-N-S-C-H-W-A-B. We would love to hear from you guys. If you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, simply get in touch with me via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned or write to me personally at john at curtaincallonline.com. Now, for those professionals out there, do not forget to sign up for a free profile, free, free, free profile on Curtain Call. If you're not a theater professional, but you know one, let them know all about it. I guarantee you it's what they're going to want. So if they're a theater, live events, or entertainment professional, send them to curtaincallonline.com. It just leaves me to say a huge thank you to Helena Middleton and James Newton for joining me this week. Thank you to Sure Microphones for continuing to be our equipment sponsor for this podcast. And a huge thank you to the incredibly talented, extremely upbeat Salisha Thomas of the Black Hair and the Big Leagues podcast. I mean, I have the joy of getting to hear her and see her every two weeks on the Broadway Podcast Network uh, meeting that we have. And she just is a bundle of light and joy. If you haven't checked out her podcast, it's time to head on over to the Broadway Podcast Network website or app and do just that. Check her out. Lastly, a big thank you to all of you who regularly tune into this podcast. Without you, we just wouldn't be where we are today. Thank you so much, everyone. I really do appreciate it. I'm grateful for each and every one of you. And I look forward to bringing you even more episodes as we start to get back to whatever normal we find ourselves in in the very near future. Stay safe and look after yourselves. Take care. Bye.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.